It took 54 shots, and it went all the way to a shootout, but by the grace of divine intervention, the Vegas Golden Knights survived a 3-2 victory over the one-win Ottawa Senators on Thursday. In a game that really shouldn't have been that close, due to epic goaltending, we were able to get to that point. We'll break down Vegas' first shootout overtime game of the year, and we'll look forward to the three-game road trip coming up starting on Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Friday. This is Locked on Golden Knights. Let's get going here. to another episode of Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Friday. We have made it to the end of the work week. And if you're the Vegas Golden Knights, you're probably a little bit happy, a little bit annoyed, but you got two points on Thursday, and that's really all that matters. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nation's Knights on Ice. Uh, If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome aboard. Uh, We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights Monday through Friday. And given the fact that there's going to be three games in four days coming up for the Golden Knights this upcoming weekend, we might be putting in a little bit of overtime, especially with them taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday. But we are mainly Monday through Friday talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, whether it be through game coverage, uh, analysis, news, anything of the sort. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We are more than likely on that forum for you. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to leave us a rating, leave us a review. Uh, Any comments, any feedback that you have are mainly uh, tailored toward the positivity and well-being of this podcast. Uh, If you have any thoughts, comments, concerns, please feel free to do so. All of it is tailored to make this podcast a little bit better. Again, this is a uh, this is a new venture for me. This is something that I have not done before long term. Uh, mainly, writing has been my calling when it's come to covering this team. So, doing a podcast is a completely different avenue for me. And so far, we're coming in. I think on three weeks now, and it's been a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun talking about the what's been going on with the Golden Knights. Having a lot of fun talking to the players, adding their perspective into this podcast. And I do appreciate all of you stopping by and listening to this podcast. So as we talked about a little bit on Thursday, the magnitude of this game between a 4-3 and three team and a 1-4 and four team coming in isn't really going to pop off and really shock anybody in the face. Uh, this one was going to be different, though, with the Ottawa Senators coming to Las Vegas to take on Mark Stone and the Golden Knights For the very first time, Mark Stone, obviously, in that trade with Ottawa back on February 25th in exchange for Eric Brandstrom, Oscar Lindbergh, and a 2020 second-round pick. So after spending six and a half seasons with the Senators, Mark Stone faced his team for the very first time, and this was really going to be a game where a lot of emotion was going to be played in. You knew Ottawa was going to come out and try and play as hard as they could. Uh, to show Stone just what you might be missing, even though they're in the rebuilding phases and it's going to be a long, painful rebuild for Ottawa. 
they wanted to come out and show that they were willing and able to put be, put on the best competitive performance that they possibly could. And for the Golden Knights, it was plain and simple. Clean up whatever in the world you messed up on Tuesday in that 5-2 loss to Nashville and go into this road trip with any ounce of positivity. And once again, as we've seen throughout the course of this season, Vegas got off to another quick start. And it started out with Riley Smith scoring his sixth goal of the year at 4-12 of the first, giving the Golden Knights a 1-0 lead. Uh, great pressure by the Carlson line. Uh, Smith forced a turnover along the half boards. The puck goes to Jonathan Marchessault, and he passes it back to Smith, and he tucks it under Anders Nielsen's pads to give it to give Vegas a one nothing lead. Oh, literally a minute later, Ottawa gets on the board. Tomas Shabbat, with one hell of a move, uh, jumps into the play from the slot, takes the puck. Uh, toe drags past Paul Stasny, puts him in a little bit of a spin cycle, and he rips it past Marc-Andre Fleury glove side to tie the game at one apiece. At 13.32 of the first period, to pretty much cap off a very rocky power play for the Golden Knights, uh, Nick Holden, the power play god, with one second remaining on the power play, Fires a shot from the point. It deflects off Brady Kachuk's stick, and it goes past Nielsen. Vegas has a 2-1 lead. The assists go to Stone and Pacioretty. That is Mark Stone's 200th assist in the NHL, and Max Pacioretty gets a point in his 700th game. That would be the score after the first period, and that would be the score after the second period, and we will talk in great deal about the second period in a little bit. The third period, it does not take long for Ottawa to tie the game. J.G. Pajou ties the game at 425 of the third period. Again, a goal that really Vegas could have avoided. Uh, Shea Theodore tries to play the puck along the corner. Really doesn't go full throttle. Uh, Ottawa takes it and puts the initial shot on net. Flurry makes a save, and then Pajot Pajot makes the uh, makes the play to tie the game at two. That would be the score all the way up until overtime, where I could have I ran out of I ran out of fingers to count on how many chances the Senators had to win this game. I must have counted at least eleven or twelve chances. That, that might be a little bit of a hyperbole, but that w- there were a lot of chances for Ottawa to win it, including the very first minute, three grade-A chances for Ottawa to win the game, and Marc-Andre Fleury somehow stopped all three and kept the game going. For the three-on-three, it was all Ottawa. There, was not, there were not many chances for Vegas, uh, not many high-danger chances for Vegas, uh, I believe Max Pacioretty hit about the post for the, like the sixth or seventh time all over the game. Again, that might be a little bit of hyperbole, but you had that feel because Vegas had a, hit a lot of posts. They had a lot of posts in this game, uh, but no great any chances for Vegas. I, I in all legitimate cha- in all legitimacy, I had about five or six chances for Ottawa to win that game, and somehow it was either Flurry making incredible saves with the right pad or the hockey gods deciding. No, we're going to be nice and let Vegas kind of keep this going a little bit. So eventually it goes to a shootout. Brandon Peary and Shea Theodore score for the Golden Knights. 
Vladislav Nemestikov and Tyler Ennis score for the Senators. And then finally, after Brady Kachuk misses his attempt at the top of the fifth, Jonathan Marchessault, who had a lot of chances in this game, scores in the bottom of the fifth to give Vegas the 3-2 victory and improve to 5-3 on the season. Marc-Andre Fleury with his 444th victory in the NHL with 37 saves. Another great masterpiece performance for Fleury to begin this season, even though the scoring aspect has been a little rocky for Vegas. Flurry has made some very key saves, and he's looked really sharp to begin this season. Anders Nielsen, originally the backup goaltender for the Ottawa Senators, 52 saves, a career high. His previous career high was 48 when he was a member of the Edmonton Oilers in October of 2013. Against the Dallas Stars, he made 48 saves, a career-high 52 saves for Anders Nielsen. As we mentioned at the top, Mark Stone playing his first game against the Ottawa Senators since that trade back in February. He did get an assist for his 200th NHL point. He now leads Vegas with 11 points on the season. He has scored a point in 7 of 8 games for the Golden Knights which is a tear that no Golden Knights player has seen in its short existence to begin the new season. The 11 points through eight games are, without question, the most by a Golden Knights player to start the season in that span. And after the game, with all the emotion aside, and after Mark Stone ran, or literally jetted over the boards, gave Jonathan Marshall the biggest bear hug you could possibly give someone on a hockey rink, he was more than happy just to be finally done with this game. Is it good for you to finally get this game out of the way? Yeah, I'm happy to, for it to be done with. Um, I think it'll be normal now, just a normal game. Um, I mean, I don't know how everybody else takes it, but it's, it is awkward a little bit, um, especially a place where you enjoyed playing. Um, yeah, a lot of close friends uh, that I'll always, always be friends with. So, um, it was tough uh, in that sense, but um, once the game gets going, it's, it's a hockey game. Uh, we're hockey players, and, and we just play a, a normal game. So my thinking in regards to an 82-game season is really all the same. I say it all the time. This is why they play 82 games. And when the Golden Knights started 8-11-1 last year, when Nate Schmidt was serving his suspension, you knew that they were going to turn it around eventually. It's why they play 82 games. But... Through the course of the 82 games, you like to take the little sample sizes and see if they can become trends that may become problematic for the coming weeks, maybe the month down the road. And for the Golden Knights, that problem has been the second period, which going back to year one, the second period used to be the best thing for the Golden Knights. Now, all of a sudden, the second period uh, rears its ugly head. It was the problem against Boston. It was a problem against Arizona, uh, with the caveat of losing Malcolm Zuban. Uh, it was the problem against Nashville, and for a little bit of time, it was the problem against Calgary. So you start to wonder: Can Vegas correct this? And Vegas going into this game against Ottawa, a team that they should have beaten. Not only they should have beaten, they should have beaten them probably a little bit more handily, knowing how they're a younger team. They are they are a uh, they're a team as you know Pierre Dorian once said they're a team 
and I can say with full certainty, they're a team, even though I looked at their roster and thought there were five creative players from NHL 20 playing on their roster tonight. Um, but for Vegas, this was a prime opportunity to see you know, where they would stand and could they put together a good second period. They've only really had maybe a couple. The, be- the best one to date was the one against L.A. Uh, last Sunday. But Vegas really didn't do that. They didn't have their best performance uh, on the second period, and they would have. They had a really good chance to put the game out of reach and go into this road trip thinking that they were much better than what their five and three record indicates. Because again, they they could have be they could be six and one, six one and one, maybe seven and one, uh, depending on how you view those losses to Boston and maybe Nashville. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the second period coming up because going back and trying to see did Vegas do anything wrong in this second period, there are definitely still problems that they need to clear up. Um, But first, would like to uh, mention here that if you did go to the game on Thursday, my hope is that you got your tickets from Vivid Seats and you saved a boatload of money. And if you're in Pittsburgh this Saturday, or if, and then if you're in Philadelphia on Monday, you might want to think about using Vivid Seats too, because it could save you a good amount of money uh, coming up for this road trip if you do plan on traveling. Vivid Seats is a ticket marketplace designed to give fans a chance to have an experience for a lifetime. All you have to do is go download the Vivid Seats app on the App Store or Google Play. Once you download it, you'll automatically be enrolled into the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, which means you can get credits back for each of your purchases. And when you do that, you get a chance to save. Here's how it works. When you're about to check out at Vivid Seats, you go and enter the promo code POSTSEASON, like the playoffs, and get up to $100 in discounts on your first Vivid Seats purchase. All Vivid Seats orders are backed by a 100% guarantee, so you know they are legit. Enter the promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100 to save a boatload of money today on your first purchase, whether it be a concert, a sporting event, a theater production, whatever the case may be, Vivid Seats wants to get you there. So go download the Vivid Seats app today at the App Store or on Google Play and save a good chunk of change. That's Vivid Seats, V-I-V-I-D, Seats. So let's look at the big picture. For the Golden Knights, eight games in, you know, let's let's just put it into perspective where everything sits at this moment for Vegas. Okay, they're five and three. They're five and three without their top two defensemen in Nate Schmidt. They're five and three without their fifty-point third liner Alex Tuck. Their top six has been playing fantastically. It, you know, Jonathan Marshall would like to have a few more goals. Riley Smith's kind of taken away his powers like he's part of the uh, the Monstars in Space Jam. And William Carlson doesn't have a goal yet either. So really, it's one guy carrying the Carlson line. The Stazzy line has been fantastic, as expected. The third line has been a mosh posh of... The Island of Misfit Toys would be a great way to put it with Valentin Zikov, who is now suspended for 20 games. We'll touch on that later. We didn't get a chance to on 
Thursday, because Thursday's episode went up well before the announcement came in, Cody Glass is now on the third line with Cody Eakin back fully healthy, centering that line. And then the fourth line is the fourth line you get what you get. The defense, again, with no Nate Schmidt, you're relying on rookie and Nick Haig to play with Derek Englund. That pairing, for the most part, has been a pile of garbage. Holden and Merrill are all of a sudden taking top pairing uh, ice time shifts. So now all of a sudden you have Nick Holden playing 23 minutes a night, which I don't know what universe we're in. And you have Marc-Andre Fleury standing on his head and somehow winning the games that he's winning. So put that all into one conglomerate and put that all into one big picture and understand right now that the Golden Knights are tied for second place in the Pacific Division behind, you know, after rubbing my eyes 15 times, the Edmonton Oilers and the Anaheim Ducks. So let's just put all of that into perspective here for just a brief moment while we discuss just how bad the second period has been for the Golden Knights through eight games. And it really hasn't been through eight games because the San Jose games, they were stellar periods one through three. Like if you were to take that sample of hockey from the Golden Knights in those two games alone and transfer it to all eight, Vegas might be the best team in the league right now. And it wouldn't even be close. But the second period has reared its ugly head multiple times, especially in the last four or five games. Uh, We go back to the Boston game last Tuesday. They give up two, and they scored that first one, I think it was the first 33 seconds. But Boston, after tying the game, that, that was the final two of four unanswered goals for Boston. And it came in the second period. Then came the Arizona game, where... You can put you can probably chalk this to losing Malcolm Subban and throwing Marc Andre Fleury into the cold and he gives up two goals. You can kind of live with that. But the fact that Vegas didn't generate anything outside of the Theodore goal at the end of the first period tells you, I guess, A, they were well defeated when they lost Subban, and B, Arizona just punched them in the mouth. So you could probably chalk it up to losing Subban on that one. Uh then they Gave up two goals against Calgary in 33 seconds. Fortunately, Vegas came back down two to one and scored three times in the in the second period to really offset it. Then against the Kings, two power play goals by Paul Stasny. They didn't give up any in the second period. They dominated that second period, and then that was fine. And then the three against Nashville. So add all that together, Vegas has been outscored. 9-5 to five in the second period. In the last 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 games. Really 6 games now with uh, tonight, Ottawa and, uh, and Vegas playing tonight. So 9-5 to five in the last 6 games. And, you know, we touched on it about the little mistakes and how that has cost Vegas at least two key wins to which they could possibly be 7-1 and one right now. Or at least 6-1-1. One one. It, it's, it's a very distinct possibility that that could be the case. But then you wonder, could this have been the game against Ottawa where they kind of could have turned it around? And I watched the second period 
you know, once through at, at live speed. And then I watched it back again when I got home. When I watched it live, I thought that Ottawa dominated the second period. Outside of a couple of power play chances for Vegas, outside of a two-on-one forced by Mark Stone and Paul Stasny, there was really nothing going on for Vegas in that second period. Now, obviously, with Anders Nielsen seeing so many freaking shots last night, the shot chart would indicate that Vegas led in the second period, and they did. It was 16-11. to 11. They already led 16-13 at the end of the at after the first period, and then Vegas went on to outshoot them 20 to 10 in the third. But watching it live, I just didn't see how Vegas played well in that period. There were a lot of opportunities for Ottawa to tie the game at that point. At least through the first three or four minutes of the second period, Ottawa hogged the puck in the attacking zone. Vegas, I think, was... I'd probably have to go back later, but I know they were called for icing at least once. I'm thinking twice in the first four or five minutes of the second period. So while Ottawa really didn't generate a lot of shots, there was one shot in the first minute that got deflected in front and almost trickled past Flurry that would have tied the game in the first minute. Um, but other than that, watching it live... Ottawa really controlled the pace, I felt. I felt that they were hogging the puck in the zone. Um, They were really dominating the possession, the possession aspect, while they weren't uh, really putting a lot of dangerous chances on the net. And then, later in the period, Ottawa finally got their chances, and Marc-Andre Fleury had to make a few gargantuan saves one of the one of them which included him losing his glove and having to cover up with his bare hand that kind of shows you the night that Mark Andre Fleury had at that point um but it just didn't seem like for once again in another second period that Vegas played well and the question i mainly had to some of the players afterwards was how do you think you performed in the second period how do you think you played in the second period and Jonathan Marshall, I thought, gave me a really good, insightful answer as to how he felt that was. How do you guys think the second period went? I mean, it's, it was hard to get some momentum. I mean, they had a couple of power plays in a row, and they were getting momentum off that and a lot of chances. And, uh, I mean, Flower was just huge, or PK was huge, and um, we stuck with it. I mean, that's what good teams do. They they stick with it, and uh, we got the two points. Is this a win that you guys feel pretty good about right now? I mean, obviously, it's not probably not the result as far as going into a shootout and whatnot. Yeah, but, I mean, at some point, like, we, yeah, we played well, but, like, they played well. I mean, they, they earned the right to get a point and go in overtime here. They, they were playing, they, they were working hard. They had a great, great goaltending, and uh, it was a good game. So you can credit Ottawa for playing hard, and you can credit them for really taking Vegas out of the out of making any plays from the neutral zone and allowing them to not really attack. But at the same time, you know you're a better team than the Ottawa Senators. You should be able to impose your will in the forechecking department. You should be able to get into the painted areas, and you should be able to make life very difficult 
for no disrespect to Anders Nielsen, Ottawa's backup goaltender. And Vegas really didn't do that in the second period when you're up two to one. And by the first five or six minutes, you should have a pretty good idea of how the period's going to go, especially with how they've gone the last few games. The fact that Vegas was up two to one at about the five or six minute mark in the second period, that should have given you pause to go, whoa, they might actually hold on to the leader. And they did. But for some reason, just coming out of the gate, out of the first intermission, Vegas does not look ready. And it's a trend that's going to be problematic for them, especially when they go on the road in these three games. If you go to Pittsburgh on Saturday and you take a 2-0 lead in the first period, you're playing well, Flurry's back in front of the Pittsburgh crowd, he's on fire, everything's clicking for Vegas, and then all of a sudden, three goals in eight or nine minutes for Pittsburgh with, you know, Crosby and company. That crowd is going to suffocate you. I don't care how good of a team Vegas is. So they've got to play better in the second period. And again, even though the shot chart indicated that Vegas played well in the second period on Thursday night, it just didn't look like it live. And then watching it back, there was just a lot of, there wasn't a lot of movement for Vegas trying to get from the neutral zone into the attacking zone. It was mainly just Ottawa creating more dangerous chances and Ottawa creating more puck movement around the point and kind of just playing keep away from Vegas. And then, you know, outside of a, you know, a great chance at 455 when Mark Stone picks Bobby Ryan's pocket and gets it to Stasny, this is the play where I'm like, okay, if Vegas can convert this, it's 3-1, they're they're a little bit better going into the third. Paul Stasny usually would pass that puck right back to Mark Stone and either the defenseman who is trailing on the two-on-one makes the play, breaks it up. Okay, you move on. Or Paul Stasny gets a better shot. Instead, Stasny hesitates and he shoots it short side and Nielsen makes the save. And there goes probably your most dangerous chance outside of Pacioretty hitting a post on the power play. That, that was pretty much it for Vegas. All their other shots really, you know, with another maybe another chance by Riley Smith in front. Nielsen makes a great save. But there really wasn't that much dangerous uh, play from Vegas. And at that point, you're just left to wonder, you know, what more can you do? You're running into a hot goaltender like Anders Nielsen, which are words usually never uttered in the lexicon of the National Hockey League. But you run into a hot goaltender, what more can you do? So this is going to be crucial for these next three games for Vegas to really play a full 60-minute game. And that's what it's going to come down to. If they want to get these wins on the road against Pittsburgh, against Philly, against Chicago, they need to play a full 60 minutes. And in order to do that, you need to be the the best four-checking team, one of the best four-checking teams in the league that you already are. And it starts against a very tough team. Even though they're shorthanded, the Penguins continue to shock a lot of people. With Sidney Crosby, you can never count them out. Flurry's going to go back to Pittsburgh hopefully play a great game, but then it's up to the other guys in front of them to play better. Play a better second period because you've already got the the last, the first and the third down pat. If you can get a second period together and play the second period like you did against LA, that would be ideal. So before we close out the episode today, guys, uh, as my voice continues to go, I apparently am not fully 100% yet uh, getting over this damn cold that I have been trying to 
combat with Alka-Seltzer and all that jazz for the last few days. We did not yet touch on Valentin Zikov. We kind of touched on it in uh, the earlier portion. Uh, Valentin Zikov has been suspended for 20 games. Uh, The first game was tonight. Uh, but he is suspended for 20 games for violating the league's performance-enhancing substances uh, program. And this is the second time in about a year that a Golden Knights player has tested positive uh, for PEDs or banned substances or whatever you call it. Obviously, you'll think back to Nate Schmidt missing the first 20 games of the season. Um, but this time with Zikov, it's a little bit different. Zikov basically admitted to President of Hockey Operations George McPhee that he had been taking the same over-the-counter supplements for the last four years. Even though Zikov said in a statement sent out by the NHLPA that he wasn't sure what he tested positive for. Now, the Golden Knights supply the supplements They've been tested before. I'm pretty sure they've been tested with a fine-tooth comb through the NHL saying, are these allowed? Are the players allowed to take these? Are they they good for their body? Are they not going to cost them to lose 20 games in a season? And I'm pretty sure the NHL has said yes. But Valentin Zikov has been taking something, whatever it may be, for the last four years, over-the-counter, not provided by any of the teams he's played for, that being Edmonton and Carolina as well, along with Vegas. He has not taken anything from those respected teams. And by doing that, he's put himself in danger of to where he is now, which is being suspended for 20 games and possibly being the end of his Golden Knights career. Because a lot of things can happen in the next few weeks, month, or however many games it'll take before we get to 20. Uh, He is eligible to return November 29th. So a lot can happen by then. Injuries, you know, maybe another suspension. Who the hell knows? But I think we it's safe to say we have seen the last of Valentin Zikov in a Golden Knights uniform. Nate Schmidt, when he was suspended, he was their top defenseman. You know, with respect to Shea Theodore, Nate Schmidt was their top lockdown defenseman. You know, stopped the best player, uh, 200-foot game, good on the power play. He was their best all-around defenseman. Valentin Zikov was fighting for a roster spot in training camp. Played very well in preseason to get to the point where he can go, okay, maybe if you give this guy a chance, he's going to play well. Then he gets on the opening day roster, plays on the third line, and even with Paul Stasny centering that line, he did not jump off the page like he did in the preseason. He wasn't that guy. I I think he's played his last game with Vegas. I don't see him suiting up any longer. And uh, at least for now, they do have a stopgap in Brandon Peary, who, you know, has had his moments of, you know, face palming and really just all around WTF moments in the first few games that he's played, but he's still a very good veteran player who can give you a goal or two, you know, every few games. And really that's what he needs. And 
you know, the the third line was pretty quiet tonight. Nothing really stood out between Glassik and Imperi. But they definitely do need Alex Tuck back. And that's that was evident of tonight. But at least Peary is a solid stopgap. And at least they can survive that for a little bit. So that is going to do it for this episode, guys. Uh, again, I didn't really think my voice was going to last that long. I'm actually surprised that considering how yesterday went that it's still going out. I thought I could make it one more day. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, for Saturday, we I the plan is to record an instant reaction for Vegas and Pittsburgh, and to talk about that game and how uh, Vegas can possibly do better in the second period, and if Mark Andre Fleury will get a much needed victory in Pittsburgh, which he has yet to do. He's only played in Pittsburgh once, and he had done, he did not pick up the win. So hopefully Fleury does get the victory when they go to Pittsburgh on Saturday. We will be back on Saturday. We'll try to be back. We'll see how my voice handles it. Um, But we'll be back Saturday night, Sunday morning, with a recap of the Pittsburgh Penguins game. So thank you all for tuning in. I know this went a little bit longer than usual, but uh, big game for the Golden Knights. They got the win. They are now 5-3 and on the year. East Coast Road Trip comes up on Saturday. Thank you all very much. I am your host, Danny Webster. You've been listening to Locked On Golden Knights part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we'll see you later. Have a good weekend.